You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hello, and welcome to the Serve Strong, Finish Strong podcast on the Mission Matters Podcast Network. These conversations are for you specifically if you're in your 40s and 50s trying to navigate the uncertainty of a stage of life that you're in. I'm Scott, I'm your host, and I'm glad you're aboard as we embark on another episode together. None of us are going to make it out of this life alive. So how's that for an uplifting start to a podcast? Seriously, though, how many of us live as though we're going to live forever and therefore put off one of the most important parts of our lives until it's nearly too late. I'm talking about succession planning. Who will succeed you in what you're currently doing? How will it continue after you're gone? That's the topic of this episode, and I'd like to introduce to you my guest. Steve McKee is co-founder of McKee Wallwork, a nationally recognized marketing advisory firm that helps stalled, stuck, and stale organizations generate new momentum. He's author of When Growth Stalls, How It Happens, Why You're Stuck, and What to Do About It, which is an award-winning business book now published in four languages. Also author of Power Branding, a book that I have personally read, Leveraging the Success of the World's Best Brands, which New York Times bestselling author Jay Baer called the definitive book on modern branding that should be mandatory reading in every business school in America. Steve's new book, Turns, where business is won and lost, will be released in Q1 of 2023. Mickey Wallwork made the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America its first year of eligibility and has twice won the prestigious EFI Award for Marketing Effectiveness from the American Marketing Association. There's so much more about Steve that I will put in the show notes as well, but I think it's clear that we are talking to a professional and expert and it's a distinct privilege to have you on the show welcome steve thanks scott terrific to be here so let's get right into this succession planning why do so many succession plans fail three i'll give you three answers we can unpack them a little bit three three words ready anticipation preparation and expectation and they even rhyme so people can remember (laughs) There you go. First is, and I have some experience with this because I formed my company out of a failed succession plan. So I learned the hard way what doesn't work. That was 25 years ago. And we are now 85% of the way through a so far successful succession plan. And so I've I've tasted both ends. But anticipation is the first one. And that is, you hinted about it in your introduction that we, we tend to just not really think about it. We get very preoccupied. Life goes on. We get busy. We like what we do. We're building, we're thriving, and it's just not something that we anticipate. It, it's, it doesn't rise to the top of the list, which takes me right into the, the second step of preparation. Why so many succession plans fail, assuming there is one, is because people don't appreciate the complexity uh, and the uh, timing that it takes. I, I like to draw this distinction between transaction and transition. And often when we think about succession planning, we tend to think about the transaction, which will literally happen on a day in time when you're signing something, if you want to think of it that way. Or the transaction period might be a period of a day, a week, or a few weeks. But transition is years. A successful succession plan is a long-term transition. And so if if you haven't started, if you haven't anticipated it, you're easily behind the eight ball on that. 
Mm-hmm. And then the third, the third reason briefly, and we can we can go go anywhere you want with this is mm-hmm. expectations. And this is a big one because we have found that the outgoing generation is often m- making their expectations based on the previous 30 years of I built this company, I learned how to do it, blood, sweat, and tears. I need to, you know, I deserve <laughs> my payout or whatever it is. Whereas the incoming generation, while honoring that, is focused on the next 30 years. How does the economy look? How are we doing in you know, competitive differentiation? Can I really drive this thing forward for another three decades? And when those two expectations are misaligned, which is often, if, you, if you're not talking about it, then you get into accusations of greed and unfaithfulness and double dealing and all those things which aren't true. Almost all the time, they're not true. Just people are entering the transaction or the transition with differing expectations. And it's such an emotional, such an emotional time that it can easily blow up. Wow. We could go in so many different directions and go so deep. But let me go first to the anticipation, the characteristics of a business owner who is not ideal. What are the characteristics of a business owner that make it difficult to develop a succession plan? I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is ego. Ego. Yeah. In fact, I had lunch with with the gentleman who was completing his succession plan. And I said, what advice do you have for me? And he said, first of all, set your ego aside. (laughs) Because, and and I've lived this. Trust me, I've lived this because my successor is running circles around me, which is what I want. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like your son. It's like, what, what else would you want? He's doing a terrific job and he's taking the company new places. But boy, is that an ego hit. I get my ego hurt twice a week, totally unintentionally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, ego is a big one. Another one is business owners tend to be hard charging entrepreneurial drivers. And it's not in our nature to sit back and, you know, pontificate and reflect. And it's it's just it's not natural for us to do anything but lead. So. To anticipate the end of that takes a real a real maturity that a lot of us don't have. You know, very often a business owner is thrown into this by a health concern or a life event, and then you're really t- to the great extent a victim of circumstances. You know, yeah. uh, that could cause a real problem. So, uh, the reason we're doing this conversation, right? Is anybody who's listening is it's going to happen. You touched on it. It's mm-hmm. inevitable. So why not anticipate it and start asking questions today? Right. Would you find that if someone has something new to lead into, to replace the current leader, the, the current company that they're leading, if they have something else they're moving to, does that make it easier? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely does. I think I don't have any research to back this up. But my suspicion is most don't. Right. Because we love our businesses, right? We built something. You talk about this all the time on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And when we built it, when succeeding, it's part of our identity. So wanting to play golf, I don't know if that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wanting to go do something else. Sure it is, but you may already be doing that if you're a serial entrepreneur. So it's just well, you know, and I also suspect that there are those who in their twenties and thirties, when they were building this business and it's built, it's running that somewhere along the way, they attach their identity to what uh-huh. they've accomplished. and you know, it kind of probably is digging into the ego issue a little bit more, but your identity, you're, you're not just succession planning your business. In some cases, I would think you're succession planning your identity, which yeah. is difficult. Yeah, you must. That's, and, that's ground where people fear threat. Yeah, because it throws you into an identity crisis. Who am I if I'm not the leader of this organization? Right. So right. it's easier just to not think about it. 
let me just pause in this whole conversation and go to a direction related to family businesses. Is that a different dynamic compared to non-family businesses? Yeah, and it's, it's a very problematic dynamic. My general advice to people is don't hire your kids. Just don't. Because there are some blessings to, to doing it, but particularly if you have multiple children who are not all involved in the business. Mm-hmm. Actually, I take that back. If you have multiple children who are not all involved in the business, that can create problems. If you have multiple children who are all involved in the business, <laughs> that can create problems. And then when you start getting to a third generation or a fourth generation where there are children of children and their cousins, it just gets very, very problematic. And all of the ego and emotions and that are that are involved in a situation like this are just that much more intense. Even, and I've seen cases where founding family has a an only child who's going to take over the business. That makes cert- some things a lot less complicated, but the where and the when and the how, and you're going to do something different than dad did or mom, that gets, it's just very difficult territory. So obviously, if you're hearing this and you're in a family business, you are, you're in a family business. All of these things can be navigated. It's just more complicated. Right. And all the more reason to seek out the professional help that you need in order to create that succession plan. Because without a succession plan in the dangerous waters of a family business, it is worse than if you didn't have a succession plan. It's like dying without a will. Preparation. You mentioned a transaction and a transition. Transa- I love that. Transaction is a specific period in time. Sometimes it's a phase symbolized by a signing of something. And sometimes it's a period of time. But the transition, and I would add transformation to that, there's a sense of transformation. So something is going to have to be new in yes. the life of the and, and the successor. If you think about those time frames. Prior to even committing to a transaction, I have to be committed to a transition. In other words, I find someone who I think could be a successor who might be interested in that. You begin that period of transition before you actually agree to a transaction. You have to. Mm-hmm. And then following the transaction, you know, we talk financially about earnouts and that sort of thing. That's all fine. But you also don't sign the paper one day, if I could use that as sort of the pivot point of the transaction, mm-hmm. and walk away. Yeah. You can't. There's a there's a period of nurturing. It's really not unlike raising children in that, you know, they start very young and you're you're making almost all the decisions and then they become adults and they're making almost all the decisions but they still seek your advice. You want that. And that can be uh, we we counsel companies you should look for a decade if you can. You should consider the transition a decade long process. It doesn't have to be that long, but that gives you some room, room to grow and room to make mistakes. Expectation what should a person expect? Yeah, that transition. The I think the most important thing is there are lots of attorneys and accountants and appraisers out there who can give you a sense of what your company is worth. Now, the reality is your company is worth anything is worth what a willing buyer and a willing seller agree to. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing an, if you're doing an external sale of the company, which isn't really what we're focused on today, that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. If it's an internal transition. It's worth what you're willing to sell it for and what they're willing to buy it for. If you're the outgoing generation, you're going to have to shepherd that process. And so, but the expectations on the financial piece, they're important, can't be greedy. But more than that, the expectations of the process of each other, of shifting responsibilities, of aligning those intentions and values, and that's much, much more important. 
Because he, here's what happens. Uh, if you're going to transition the company to an internal colleague, you two have been on the same side of the table in many battles, you know, your colleagues. Mm-hmm. For the first time ever, you're going to sit on opposite sides of the table. And you're both going to have advisors who are in your ear looking out for your interests. That is a very, very sensitive moment. Because when you're sitting across the table from somebody with whom you've always sat on the same side of the table, sometimes it can get very weird very fast. Mm -hmm. If you're aware of that and you can talk about it, it helps soften it. If you're not, one day you're going to show up quite literally in an accountant's office or an attorney's office or an appraiser's office. They're going to be on the other side of the table and be like, wait a minute. We have to preserve and strengthen, in fact, our relationship here. This is not an arm's length transaction. It can't be. This is an arm in arm transaction. I could put it that way. Good way to. And that's why expectations, getting everything out on the surface is very, very important. That's, that's good. That's so helpful. That, that right there may have saved a number of succession plans in the future. If you're listening here, take that advice, the expectation that it's not an arm's length transaction. Succession planning cannot be that. It has to be arm in arm. Why do business leaders tend to avoid getting started on a succession? I mean, what keeps us from thinking about this thing? Yeah. Well, you mentioned one, which is sort of the live forever syndrome. Mm. Another would be just more urgent priorities. You know, things, it's tough to lead a business. And so, you know, the old saying is the urgent crowds out the important. And so that's a thing. But I think the most telling thing that I've learned since we've been doing this is, believe it or not, it's fear, anxiety. I led a succession seminar either earlier this year or late last year with some pretty senior, accomplished, impressive people. And after the keynote, we did three round, I did three round tables with 12 CEOs each and about this topic. So it's a conversation. And one of the things I asked them, I said, write down one word, one emotion that comes to mind when I say succession planning. So it's, you know, 36 people, not a huge survey, but it was remarkable. More than half the one word they chose was anxiety. Mm-hmm. They were anxious. And I think it's because we're good at what we do. We're capable people, but we've never done this before. So we're not good at it. So we're afraid of it. It's easier just to shove it off to the side. There's, there's an ego thing there too, but I don't think ego is the big part of it. I think it's just, it makes me anxious because I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. In which case, my answer is always just start asking questions yeah. of people you trust and you'll get there. But I think anxiety is probably the biggest reason why people fail to get going. Too many unanswered questions. Yeah, yeah. And those those who work with me frequently, they know that when I talk about agency, what, what I mean by that, agency is having options available and knowing you have choice among those options. Without agency, it's like being controlled by circumstances. Mm-hmm. You're reacting. You don't have, some might say the locus of control is outside of you. And so you're reacting to everything or you're shutting down and you're not addressing the inevitable, Yeah. in this case, succession. But when you have options and when you have that sense that you can choose among options, you, in essence, if you can create distance from the dissonance, because every problem has context, every unknown thing AKA succession planning has context. And if you step back far enough, you see those options 
And what you're saying is ask questions. That's the process of educating yourself so that you can step back from a balcony perspective. The interesting thing about this group that I was speaking with is they're in an industry that is dangerous. And so they all have risk management officers in their company. And they talk about, I mean, they, they spend a lot of money on risk management. And I noticed that the speaker prior to me was a risk management speaker. And it was kind of funny because they're very comfortable with life and death risk management. And that's what they do every day. Yeah. But it comes to this, they're like little bunnies. You know, they're afraid to <laughs> engage. But it's the same process. It's like right, right. quantify the risk, mm-hmm. start asking questions, and and get about it. I just can't emphasize that enough. And, and you know, I I think partly we are we have been inundated with this idea that growing old and retiring means golf, a garden, and the grave. I mean, there's nothing else. I mean, if I drop this, I drop everything. I cease to exist. And it's just not true. No. If we can understand there is a fourth quarter awaiting us that can be the most exciting years that we could ever imagine. Because if you're letting go of something and you're moving on to something else, you're not starting over from scratch. You're starting over from experience. You have all this stuff that you could put together and and leverage for could be something even more meaningful than you'd ever imagined. Even in with respect to your existing company, I've been working on myself in my own succession plan in this regard to reframe my exit, not as I'm leaving, they're moving on, but the extent to which I can leave and they can thrive. I'm going to take credit for that in my own mind, not in, in an arrogant sort of way, but I'm reframing my exit as my last great accomplishment at this company mm-hmm. is have, watching this company fly without me. And I think I can have some real gratitude for the rest of my life about that. Absolutely. And we think about when we graduate from high school or college, they don't call it finish. They call it commencement. Yeah. I mean, the real learning and the real growth and development happens after that. And yet we tend to think, oh, good, I'm done with my school. You're not done with your, with your life when you succeed your business to someone else. I love the idea of reframing. That's a very powerful internal mechanism that can help you move forward. Let's move to the successor. Let's say there's someone listening here and they understand, they agree, they're not going to live forever. And it's best to begin the process of looking at succession planning. But what would you say is the most important consideration when you're looking for a successor? Yeah, well, obviously, obviously they have to have some talent at the business. They have to be, you have to, you have to have a sense. They don't have to be there yet, especially if you're starting early, but you have to sense that the lights are on and they're smart and they're intelligent and they're strategic and those sorts of things. But the most important thing is alignment. Alignment underscore that double exclamation points. Alignment is the word first on values. I mean, if you're not aligned on your values, it's not going to work on your ethics, which might be a, you know, a a step above that. And then alignment on culture and strategy. But here I want to parse that if I can. My successor, we actually, he started as an intern here. It's just a wonderful story. Mm-hmm. And a few years into his career, I started noticing and I thought, this might be the guy. This might be the guy. And I gave him increasing assignments and he, he proved himself. He proved himself. Over the course of that time, of course, I learned that our values are very much aligned. Our ethic is very much aligned. We feel good about that. But then comes culture and strategy. Uh, this is something I learned along the way. My initial thought was, can this guy keep my culture and execute my strategy? and succeed. What I've since learned is for him to be successful, he needs to develop his own strategy and he needs to evolve our culture in the way that he sees fit. And I need to be aligned with that. 
So it's not a matter of, are we marching in lockstep with my plan? It's a matter of, can I subsume my ego enough, give him enough reins so that when I see how he intends to evolve the company and he is evolving our company, I can embrace it. And so it's really, you know, initially I'm flying and I'm carrying him. Now he's flying and he's carrying me. And there's been this wonderful transitionary period where both of us have had to watch our emotions big time, but he's a man of good character. And so we're able to do that. But alignment underscores it all. Total lockstep alignment on values. Otherwise, forget it. Strategically and culturally, you don't have to be aligned around your plan. It might be that your plan is right and it can you know, go on for the next 30 years, but you need to be aligned around a plan. Ideally, that is increasingly his idea or her idea. So under alignment, what I'm picturing is a foundation of alignment with values and ethics. Absolutely. Once that's there, the the transfer of culture and strategy from one leader to the next can take place much easier. Not much simpler, I should say. Not it, it, None of it's easy. Right. But yeah, yeah with, your, with the values and ethics alignment as the bedrock, then you can build on that. And you can build on that. And the funny story is I mentioned I get my feelings hurt twice a month or however often. You know, I'll sit in the back of an all staff meeting and our president, he's the president of the company now, will be excited about where we're going. And he'll say something like, We're not doing it the old way. We're doing it this. <laughs> and I raise my hand figuratively, of course, in the back of the room, say, The old way's still here. But again, I choose to look at it differently. I'm like, this is wonderful. He's improving it. Yeah. Take us to those that meeting. Okay. And walk us in your mind exactly what goes on in your mind when when the old way, your way, it's not being attacked, but it's being compared to. Yes. What's really going on in your head? Yeah, there, it's twofold because on the at a very dispassionate, logical, analytical way, I can see that it's right. We do need to go that way. It makes total sense. I'm in, I'm in concurrence with it. But I used to be the guy standing at the front of the room taking the bows. I used to be the one saying, follow me. And when it's not only not me up there, but someone saying, we're going to go slightly this way. The the closest thing I can compare it to is when my son got taller than me and could run faster than me. I wouldn't want it any other way. Right. And yet I'm not the fastest, tallest, strongest man in the family anymore. You know, no. Great you wouldn't want it any other way, but yeah. there is a sense of just checking your ego. It's such mm-hmm. an important thing. Albert Brooks writes a book called, wrote a book called From Strength to Strength. And one of the chapters, he talks about letting go of success, hmm. Let, letting go. And I think it's interesting. Think of directionally, you know, it's not like somebody's taking your baby and turning it sideways. It's like that successor is taking what you've brought to date and building on top of it. And that to me would make me feel a little bit different about someone comparing the old way and the new way not as this was the wrong way. Now we're going the right way, but we are building on the legacy that we have been given. And so that that's another reframe that I think would help me. Yeah. And there's an internal dialogue knowing of my feelings got hurt. Nobody in the room knows that Mm -hmm. especially not him because he didn't intend to. Mm -hmm. And so you have to also remind yourself that your legacy is secure. My legacy is secure here. My people think of me the way they think of me and they won't ever not think of me that way. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. So Kobe Bryant does not diminish Michael Jordan. Right. It's just right. a different generation. Good point. So the number one obstacle to successful succession planning 
is the person who needs to be success succeeded. You're the problem. You can't get started early enough. That's right. Right. And it's not just a transaction. It's a transition. And I would argue a transformation. And there's a huge difference between those two. Steve, if you could give the business owner who's listening to this and considering succession planning for the first time in a very serious way, what advice would you give that person? Start today. And it could be as simple as we have a, a website, if it's okay, I mentioned it's yes. called successionpreplanning.com. Mm -hmm. One word, successionpreplanning.com. And it's just, there's resources on there. Some of the things we've been speaking about just to begin talking about it. You could also go to your counsel or your accountant. I mean, they've done, they do this for a living and just raise the question. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if there's nobody on your radar screen for a successor. I'll tell you this, my successor the other day asked me how old I was when I hired him because he is now approaching that age and he's already thinking pretty soon I'm going to have to find me someone. Wow. So just beautiful. get ahead of it. Get And if you're behind, if you're going to exit in a year, you better get on it like right now. Just enter in. That's my advice. Enter okay. in, start asking questions and you'll, you're smart. You'll find your way through. Yeah. Successionpreplanning.com. We will definitely put that on in the show notes. Steve, thank you. I know you're a very busy man and you're going through a lot right now, but I appreciate you taking some time out to share with us. This has been incredible. And I wish you all the best in the continued succession planning and execution, actually, of your succession. And don't be too hurt. I'll try not to be. Thank you. It's been fun. All right. All right. Well, there has been so much rich wisdom shared in this episode. If you're a business owner and you have a desire to have things move and develop beyond you, I urge you, here's your call to action. I urge you to go to successionpreplanning.com link in the show notes, and begin the process of educating yourself. There's no need for you to fear your succession. There have been people who have gone through it, and there are experts just like Steve who can help guide you through that process. And there's no better way of living than to understand what's going on. When you understand, you have choice, and that makes you much more strategic and if there's anything you need to be strategic about right now, it is your succession plan. This has been another episode of the Sir Strong Finish Strong podcast. I'm Scott Kokenauer, and as I share on every podcast, there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. You have chosen to listen to this one. I take that very seriously. I consider it an honor, and I'm very grateful. Be sure to visit the show notes for all the information you need from this episode. Subscribe so you can get notified of other episodes. And I would love if you were to give this episode a rating and let us know how we're doing. I appreciate that. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.